0: So if I could welcome you to the St Albans District Environment Hustings. I'm Amanda Yorworth from St Albans Friends of the Earth, welcoming you here this evening. Now, this event is being recorded, just to tell you that as a member of the public attending this, nobody will be able to, to see you on video or to hear you speaking. Our chair for this evening is Nick Hazel. Now, Nick presents a weekday morning show at Radio Verulam. He lives in St Albans and is a director at Radio Verulam. He spent his working career in telecoms and internet businesses and spent time living in New York and in Switzerland. So our thanks go to Nick for chairing this evening. So Nick, if I could hand over to you.
1: Thank you very much, Amanda, and welcome everybody. Uh, looking forward to a good and informative uh, discussion this evening. Uh, So we're just going to run through a few um, items in terms of the agenda. So um, what will happen is that uh, panelists will just very briefly introduce themselves and their party. Um, Each of them will then provide a short introduction uh, to their environmental priorities. They'll get uh, two minutes each in which to do that. Um, After that, panelists will respond to a question that was supplied in advance. Um, And that will be uh, one and a half minutes per panellist. And then um, this is where you, the audience, come in, uh, because panellists will then respond to your questions uh, submitted via the Q&A facility on Uh, Zoom. So the most popular questions um, will uh, be put to the panelists depending on the amount of time we have available. So we're using Zoom webinar. Um, As Amanda said at the beginning, um, you will be able to see and hear the panelists, but they can't see or hear you. Um, There is automatic transcription on during the webinar. If you want to hide the subtitles, uh, then you can click on the three dots at the bottom of the Zoom window and click hide subtitles. If you do have any technical queries, if you type them into the Zoom chat function, uh, then people from St Albans Friends of the Earth will be monitoring that and will try to give you some assistance. Next slide, please. Um, So, if you could please use the Zoom Q and A function to submit questions for the parties. Um, This will make it a more interesting discussion and you'll get to find out the answers to some of your burning questions. Uh, You can also view the questions and vote on them uh, that have been submitted by other attendees of this evening. Um, If you do that using the thumbs up symbol um, and also check to see if a similar question has been asked to one that uh, you want to ask, we'll then put the most popular questions um, on a range of issues uh, to the panellists. Just as a reminder, um, this is a district council uh, discussion, and so it's just worth remembering the areas of responsibility, broadly speaking, that the district council has, as opposed to the county council. Um, Local planning, uh, some paths and cycle paths, uh, recycling, uh, green space and parks, local authority housing, leisure facilities and parking. So um, if you can keep your uh, questions within those kind of bounds, uh, within reason, that would be appreciated. And it'll allow the the panelists to uh, give hopefully full and clear answers on areas uh, which are within the district council's responsibility. Uh, So we're going to uh, start with a a poll. Um, So we're going to use the poll facility on, on Zoom. And the first poll is um, will policies on the environment and sustainability issues be important for you when selecting who to vote for on the 5th of May? So could we ask you now, please, uh, to place your vote uh, and we will uh, give you the, the result of that poll in just a moment. We'll just take a few seconds to do so. So will policies on the environment and sustainability issues be important for you when selecting who you vote for on the 5th of May? Okay, so I think we've uh, had our our time to, uh, (laughs) well, that's fortunate. (laughs) Um, So 100% of us uh, are saying that yes, they will be important uh, when selecting who to vote for. So uh, that means that this evening's discussion is uh, going to be very important for those who are attending. So with that, I'm going to ask each panellist just to introduce themselves with their name and party only, please. So this will only just take a moment. And uh, could we start with uh, Mary Maynard, please? Good
0: evening. My name is Mary Maynard, and I'm the leader of the Conservative Group at the District Council.
2: Simon Grover. Hi, I'm Simon Grover. I'm the leader of the Independent and Green Group on the District Council. Ian Grant.
3: Hi, I'm Ian Grant, and I'm the chairman of the Labour Party in St Albans.
4: And finally, Chris White. Hello, I'm Chris White. I am the leader of the Liberal Democrat group on the District Council. Okay, so we are now going to uh, ask each of uh,
1: our panellists this evening to set out their policies on the environment for St Albans. Each panellist gets two minutes each. And can we start, please, with Simon Grover from the Green Party?
2: Sure. Yes, I'll just uh, touch on on two or three issues, really. There's a lot to talk about. But uh, on, on transport, to start with, our policies... Um, include a change to the default speed limit from 30 miles an hour to 20 miles an hour across the district, not just street by street. I brought this proposal to the District Council um, and it was passed without objection, I'm glad to say, and the district must now work with the County Council to implement this change. We've also been pushing the council to create a network of electric vehicle charging points Many residents uh, tell us that that they need this before they can consider switching to an electric car. And this change benefits everyone through quieter streets and cleaner air. The County Council, unfortunately, has announced it wants to restrict on-street charging in favour of charging at car parks and at at destination points. Uh, But we're pushing against that restriction. Um, We've also campaigned for years to get improvements on transport, congestion and parking and will continue to do so. And we want to see measures that encourage active travel, cycling and, and walking and so on. On energy, we've won commitments from the council already to create a new program to insulate homes across the district. This is a vital part of reducing emissions uh, from heating um, and improving quality of life of course at the same time. This program has yet to take off properly so we will be keeping up the pressure on this. Uh, We know that many residents as well are interested in installing measures like renewable energy and heat pumps and exterior wall insulation, all these measures And uh, we feel the council needs to issue clear guidance on how to do this, what planning permission you need or don't need uh, and and a presumption in favour of these measures. Um, We've successfully campaigned for the council to introduce renewable energy on council buildings, including winning the budget for hundreds of solar panels on leisure centres. But we need much more renewable energy in the district if we're to reduce our carbon footprint by the amount that we need to. And finally, on nature. Amongst other things, Greens were instrumental in bringing forward the Wilder St Albans project, which is coordinating biodiversity and rewilding projects across the district. And we want to see more effort put into this by the council to bring in funding for these projects and coordinate actions by local groups. Thanks very much.
1: Thank you, Simon. Could I now ask Ian Grant for Labour, please?
3: Yes, certainly. Um, I I would endorse Many of the things that Simon has said. Um, we Labour has also campaigned for uh, 20s plenty, um, initially in isolated areas, but so we have equally backed the move to bring it in uh, across the district. Um, I think some of the issues... Uh, in terms of, for example, uh, solar panels and so on, have, have uh, again, long been discussed on council, and some of the things that were looked at uh, a while back perhaps need to be re- revisited, such as perhaps uh, putting panels over parking areas um, because it's a, it's a council-managed space which potentially could be put to good use. Um, Labour has backed, for example, in 2019, a car-free day to try to promote uh, alternatives to using the car, Um as a as a strategy uh, this is very focused it doesn't address issues of providing better sustainable transport so that people don't need to use cars but it's a good step to actually making people aware that you can live Without a car, particularly if you're in a in a central location, it's it's a bit disappointing that that, w- that although that was endorsed on a cross party basis, it's yet to be implemented, and we get to see a uh, a car free day in St Albans. It's a national initiative. It will be really good to see St Albans taking that up, uh, and we'd be keen to uh, pursue that further. Thank you. Thank you very much. Um,
1: could we move on now to Chris White for the Liberal Democrats?
4: Yes. Um- in 2019, the very first act I did as, as leader of the council was to declare a climate emergency. That was unanimously agreed, I'm glad to say. And that's the token, very important token. This is uh, the most important thing that this administration, the Lib Dems, uh, believe in for this council. Um, and from there, we've uh, developed a uh, sustainability strategy, working with uh, interest groups like uh, um, uh Friends of the Earth, uh, and on a cross-party basis, uh, we are working on a local plan which will actually take into account the climate emergency, which uh, hitherto uh, it previous drafts have not done. And alongside all of that, again, there's been initiatives like rewilding, planting more trees. Three thousand trees were planted in the last municipal year. Um, social housing now. Um, has uh, changed its aspect so that there are EV points in social housing, we're no longer using gas boilers. Uh, but of course, as everyone has said, we've got to persuade the County Council uh, to get on with recognising that EV points are necessary in residential streets, and that is proving extremely difficult. Uh, we've also introduced a car club, since Auburn Solar Streets Initiative, and very importantly, increased the number of staff uh, that are uh, devoted to this. And given more resources, we would do much more of that. So looking to the future, I think the number one priority in relation to the environment is the big one, which is developing a local plan, which takes into account um, the climate emergency, because the local plan will govern how we live, how we work, how we move around, uh, how we heat ourselves, and indeed our lifestyles. Everything depends on getting that done, which is why we've already put more resources into it. Uh, secondly there has to be much more tree planting it's not just the district council which does this sort of thing it's got to be all of us thirdly we have to press the government for greater powers many of the things that we want to do for instance like uh, re-regulating buses can only be done if the government recognizes that these are powers that local uh, authorities uh, need to um, uh, have at local level so that's me thank you thank
1: you Chris Uh and now could we ask uh, Mary Maynard for the Conservatives, please.
0: Thank you. Um, we all agree climate change is real. We all agree we need to do something about it. And we all agree that we should promote and improve biodiversity and sustainability, and that that is worthwhile and necessary. You will notice from what my colleague said that there has been um, mass agreement breaking out in the council chamber when any of these issues come up. However. It's not enough to say that you support it. You have to look at what you've actually done. In power, um, for the nine years up to 2019, Conservatives drove down total emissions from council buildings, transport, and subcontractors by over 40%. We started and moved rapidly forward in a programme to insulate our 5,000 estate of social houses. We installed modern boilers, put in new roofs. We double-glazed windows and doors. I've not heard how that programme has been moving in the last three years. In the same time, community emissions in St Albans dropped by 33%. Conservatives negotiated the waste contract, which has rapidly moved us up the table of recycling councils, and we now stand at number one. In my view, we could have done more specifically on biodiversity and plastics, And accordingly in 2019, I introduced the motion to make the council single-use plastic free and to encourage it in every area controlled by the council. What's been happening in the last three years? We have talked a lot, we have done little. There is no coherent program of change, limited objective setting and no apparent measurement of achievement. There is not enough injection of real scientific and engineering knowledge and expertise or consultation with other councils. We know that residents are paying lip service sustainability, but they do little. Nobody's asking why and finding out what we have to do to make residents change how they do things. What would we do? We'd move from talk to action. We'd set specific objectives for the council and tie them in through things like performance management and uh, through a change programme. We'd consult with experts and other councils and focus effort on achievable goals. However, what we wouldn't do is force other people to do things what we are not willing to do, particularly people in social homes. It doesn't fit well with me that people with log burning stoves and wonderful gas boilers are saying that people in social homes can't have that and that they, what they're going to okay, have Okay, we, we need
1: to wind up. Thanks.
0: Okay basically we'd find ways to nudge people to act more sustainably we would cut through the waffle and we'd just do it
1: thank you very much Um, Can I just remind uh, everyone who's uh, listening intently that also, please do provide your questions in the Q&A section at the bottom of your screen. Uh, If you provide your questions, um, then you might get an answer. And uh, that that would be that would be part of the purpose, if not all of the purpose of this evening's uh, debate. So uh, please do submit your questions in the question and answer box at the bottom. So um, we're going to go on to our first question. Now, this was a question uh, provided in advance. And the question is, the cost of energy to heat and power our homes is skyrocketing, pushing millions more of people into hardship. What would candidates do to address fuel poverty and make homes more energy efficient? And could I ask Ian Grant for Labour to respond first?
3: Well, I would firstly say at a national level that Labour is committed to a windfall tax, which I think would uh, certainly help in addressing uh, the, the immediate hardship. It's still a long term problem. Ultimately, uh, in order to address this, we need to reduce energy consumption. And that means energy saving measures. Simon has already mentioned the um, insulation program on on, uh, council homes. And I think that also needs to be promoted. We need to do more to publicize uh, schemes that will allow uh, allow individuals not in council homes to do that. Um, We need basically to encourage people to consume less, which will help. Um, and I think we also need to provide many alternatives to uh, high car use. So we need a better public transport system across the district. Um, that is, is, is again not an easy fix, but it's one that we're committed to ensuring that we get delivered.
1: Thank you. Uh, Could we move on to Chris White for the Liberal Democrats?
4: Yeah, I think um, we, we we need central action and and i think it's been very noticeable that uh, the chance of the exchequer failed really to tackle this at all we, we have a faintly gimmicky scheme which won't touch many people in st albans in relation to council tax and a loan system none of that's going to work um and of course there's a limit to what resources any local authority be it district county or anything else has got in this area to to make up uh, the gap um so um whilst there are schemes out there and I know our officers are always on the ball in looking for schemes and and grants and so forth. One of the most important things we must do, and I think Ian's already hinted at this, is communications. I think people don't yet fully understand, maybe everyone on this call understands, but many, many people out there, what it is that they can do themselves um, and inexpensively, um, whether it be uh, more loft insulation or uh, rather more significant works. Now, if you have no money, that's going to be difficult. Uh, So we are in a terrible bind with this, but publicity has got to be key. Giving people advice, helping people out, saying this simple thing you could do in terms of drafts um, coming through windows will help a bit, but uh, actually we need a national solution.
1: Thank you. Uh, Could we move on to Mary Maynard, please, for the Conservatives?
0: Thank you. Um, First of all, the... Um, Chris White has dismissed the help which has been given to people in the district. In fact, everyone in the lower uh, council tax bands will get a lump sum to help them with their, their heating. And um, this, will, uh, this will be given to them. The council is currently working the way through it. There is also a discretionary amount of hundreds of thousands, which, which you can apply for and which will be distributed Um, according to criteria, which uh, Councillor White knows about because he has been involved in agreeing it. The thing which I would say for for most people, I think most people are going to manage themselves when they see their first gas bill after um, the the rapid rise, which which happened a few weeks ago, I think there will be a resetting of thermometers in-house and more thought given to how energy is being used. Um, my sister is a civil servant who looks at, uh, for example, electricity meters. She's been involved in that in sometimes. The take-up is not good. Perhaps people need to start taking up these things much more. They have to need to take it much more seriously. What I would do practically if uh, the Conservatives were involved in the Council, there are Um, little gadgets which you can use. We're
1: going to need to wind up in a second or two.
0: I would I would have surveys people can ask for a survey for their house and they can see where the energy is being lost so they can insulate better.
1: Thank you very much and uh, finally on this question Simon Grover for the Green Party.
2: Thanks. Yes, I'm going to uh, talk again about uh, Simon's Insulation Programme, as it's now known. Um, If people go away with only one thing they remember from this meeting, it will be Simon's Insulation Programme. Uh, and this this covers not just council houses but private houses too. And this has been done. Um, the green uh, councillors in Kirklees Council in Sheffield, for example, uh, have did a lot of work on this actually years and years ago now. we are really behind the, the curve here in St Albans and in other places uh, about getting uh, getting a scheme uh, in to help people um, insulate their houses more effectively. And the council, at the very least, can be a hub for, uh, for information uh, on this, on on funding that's available and on suppliers. Crucially, people are looking for suppliers and not being to find them so we need to be able to help them with that but i'm um, kind of as, as chris said really the, the key to this is is a proper energy strategy um there there are things that that local councils and local people could be doing one of the unsung um heroes of of how to how to reduce energy costs in this country is to produce it locally. Um, but there's not much we can do ourselves. You know, I can't put a wind farm up in my garden. Um, you know, but that needs to come from from government, central government uh, policy. But you need local independent supply. You need renewables, um, and you need the industry, British industry, to build wind farms, of which there's hardly any because I'm afraid they've been uh, shut down due to not uh, you know not being properly funded. Um, you know, we can't rely on on slow and expensive nuclear, and, and so there's so much wrong with energy strategy at the moment i can't go into it but you know also we need investment in battery storage which again has great local uh, possibilities if only there was some investment in it um and we need a full-scale uh, nationwide insulation uh, and efficiency program it's the cinderella of, of energy but it's the quickest cheapest and best way of reducing um the cost of energy
1: Thank you, Simon. Uh, So just a reminder again, do ask your questions in the Q&A box um, and also please vote for ones that you see there that uh, you would really like to get answered this evening because we probably won't get to them all. Uh, So we're going to move on to our first question from attendees this evening now, and that is besides the recognition that greening is important for climate, how would the candidates make St Albans become a water sensitive city? And we're going to start with Chris White for the Liberal Democrats.
4: I think I've defined this correctly that um, it, it, it's sensitive in terms of not wasting water um, and in in that case again I keep going on about communications but it doesn't strike me as utterly amazing when I am walking around on a summer's day to see sprinklers on gardens. It's not great for gardens to use sprinklers and it is waste of water but there's also a more fundamental issue and that means tackling affinity water. You'll have noticed that there are periodically uh, semi-guerrilla roadworks turning up because yet another water main has burst. Um, It is causing, actually, traffic chaos amongst other things, although that is actually a secondary issue here. But we do need to talk to Affinity more and say, yeah, love to see the water main coming in from Redbourne uh, with all the uh, problems associated with that. But the actual basic infrastructure is problematic. And you've only got to see what happened in Cavendish Road in my ward uh, to see that uh, you come along and try and resurface the road and leaks spring up. It's a complete mess. Water is just pouring into the ground. And um, uh, we need to get the utilities uh, to face up to their responsibilities, both in St Albans and generally.
1: Thank you, Chris. Um, Mary Maynard for the Conservatives.
0: I think, again, I mean, I have to agree with Chris. I think it's education. Um, If people knew how much water they actually used in a day, uh, they'd be quite shocked. It's pints and pints of the stuff. And um, I've seen many uh, handouts which uh, are sent out by the water companies saying how to reduce your water uh, consumption. We should perhaps consider uh, working with them and trying to amplify their activities in this this area. I think there's also something about uh, involving the young If they knew that um, the water has been extracted from our rivers and the impact this has, I think they'd be more inclined to maybe put pressure on their parents to take specific action at home to reduce their water consumption.
1: Thank you, Mary. Uh, And now Simon Grover for the Green Party.
2: Um, yeah, well, I mean, as as the old joke goes, I wouldn't start from here. There's a there's a massive structural problem. Why on earth is our water system privatised? It's absolutely bonkers, and of course the water companies are very happy to waste water because they make money out of it. It's crazy. But in terms of what we can do uh, locally and as a local council, I think there's a lot of measures and some of the things we've talked about already will will help to save water. So things like planting trees and protecting the trees that we have. Trees are great ways of, of keeping water uh, from, from flooding away and from, from, um, from flooding roads and so on. Similarly, rewilding, um, you know, allowing verges to grow. All these small measures can help. Is there something we can do around front gardens, protecting those from being constantly paved over? Because again, the more front gardens that get paved over, the more water runs off. Or at least if you're covering up You know, you're using some sort of porous material so that rain has a chance to to come through and soak into the to the top top layer of earth. Um, Yes, of course, people can be saving money themselves, but I think there's things that we can do um, to help them. You know, perhaps we can be promoting water-saving measures that occasionally the water companies talk about. But maybe we can do more on that and providing those those little gadgets that uh, that can help. And I think there's also a huge area in the new local plan where new housing um, could potentially be be using grey water. So in other words, not using fresh water. flood your for, to flush your toilet, but you know collecting water from your drain pipes that can be built into modern housing, and I'd like to see that happen.
1: Thank you. And finally, Ian Grant for the Labour Party.
3: It is problematic. We're, we're dealing partly with a, an aging infrastructure, and uh, the companies are slow to respond to issues. Um, there's been problems in Sotwell where a road has been dug up, and then for literally weeks afterwards, you have water streaming, and they come back two, three times to deal with it. So um, I think the I think the, the uh, water companies need to be held to account in terms of doing their job uh, better. Uh, but in, in terms of actually making making residents more water sensitive, I think it, it is about uh, education, making people aware that water is a valuable resource um, and trying to use it wisely. As Simon says, um, the water companies do 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 provide energy saving measures, even something as simple as a, as a timer when you're going into the shower, so you just aware of how long you were in the shower for uh, can help. And I think I think promoting those kind of things can be done relatively simply. Um, the water companies are on board because they w- will regularly turn up at uh, shows and events uh, and, and hand those out for free. So I think it's just a case of uh, joining up those dots and making sure that they are promoting uh, uh, what they can do in order to, to encourage water saving and for us to get on board and make it um, more widely known. Thank you.
1: Thank you, Ian. Uh, We'll move on to our next question now, but if you have a burning question that you don't see in the Q&A list, it's not too late definitely to put your question in and uh, do vote for the questions that you'd like to see answered. The next question is, could you explain your position on Greenbelt and its place in environmental policies? Should it ever be used for development? Uh, First, Mary Maynard for the Conservatives.
0: This is a fascinating um, issue. Um, My uh, personal view on Greenbelt is this, it should be be kept and it shouldn't be used for housing. However, I'm a realist and I know that uh, in my ward there are families of five stuck in tiny, tiny flats with um, two small bedrooms. I know the severe consequences of, of overcrowding for young children. Um, the number of kids who have um, asthmatic conditions. And I know the the pressure there is, the fact that we have a severe housing shortage and we need to build for the next generation. In this area, 82% of the land is greenbelt. I'm afraid there is no brownfield sites left and the only two real options are to build on the greenbelt or to build up and by building up i mean 20 30 storey blocks of flats in st albans if you mention that to people in st albans they faint if you mention using up green belt to live people who live near fields they don't like it either so my my view is that we do a combination of both because we need the houses
1: thank you mary Uh, simon for the green party
2: uh, no is the straightforward answer um in agreement with mary there uh, we shouldn't be building on a green belt and that's not just because people who live on the edge of the green belt don't want us to and they like the view out of their bedroom window important as that is the the green belt as the word uh implies is fundamentally green not all of it is but most of it is is actually green and therefore is providing these essential ecosystem services as they're called so everything from our clean water to nature to the air we breathe is provided for us for free by the areas of the country that around here are called green belts because they're being protected and the rest of the world uh, is just called the countryside so no we should not be building on this Uh, it should be absolutely protected again sorry to keep Talking about national policy but that's where this stuff gets created it's a national policy issue we as a district council are absolutely in a bind if we don't build on greenbelt then the government will come in and they'll take the power away of how to how to put houses where we want and uh, they will give that job to someone else and they will do an even worse job than we will so we are in an absolute bind all parties here in the same position regardless of what they say we're all in that position together um and it's and it's an absolute uh disastrous, disastrous situation it looks like possibly the government is slightly easing back on it due to uh sort of uh, pushback from some conservative M- mps but that's the situation we're in it's a failure of of green belt policy it's a failure failure of housing policy of industrial policy of commercial policy uh the whole thing needs looking at so that we take the heat out of we're the economy in the, area the country thanks, that we live in
1: thanks. thank you simon um uh and for the Labour Party uh, Ian Grant please
3: yes i is absolutely right it, it is a failure uh, at a national level in terms of uh, housing policy um and, and and we're left to pick up the pieces the green belt is under pressure in that way um part of the the challenge comes from having housing targets that uh, are essentially being being manipulated um, for political purposes, because the only way of driving affordability in housing seems to be to build shed loads of them so that eventually they'll become cheaper. I think that's questionable as a strategy, but it also puts massive pressure on the green belt when we're being told uh, we need to build X number of houses based on calculations on outdated figures, which the government isn't prepared to row back on and say, actually, uh, the demand level has changed um, and until we can put pressure on the government to say, what we build needs to reflect uh, what is our local need more accurately, then the Greenbelt will re- remain at risk. And uh, yeah. it is a valuable resource for all the reasons that Simon said, right, that's why the green belt is there in the first place. Um, it, is, it is providing a, a kind of green lung around our, our city and, and between the, 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 the built-up areas in our districts. And it, it deserves protection. At the moment, it is still at risk.
1: Thank
4: you, Ian. And uh, Chris White for the Liberal Democrats. I think if, if people understood how ridiculous the, the planning system is, they would be horrified. So what you get in, in letters from ministers when you raise this issue is, oh, no, no, no it's all local decision. You, you decide on how many houses you need. And yet it is perfectly clear that if you reside on the the wrong number of houses, then your local plan is invalid and therefore they move in and take it all over. Uh, The targets which are set, and they really are targets, even if ministers pretend they're not, are based on uh, estimates of population which are now some years out of date, up to eight years out of date. If up-to-date numbers are used, then the uh, requirement for houses goes down by as much as 50%. So there would be far fewer houses needed over the plan period for this particular district. And if that were the case, then the need to use the Greenbelt at all would be greatly reduced. So we've got to get lobbying on this one on a cross-party basis. I know one MP certainly has been lobbying on this. We need the other MP also to lobby because the government doesn't have to do much. It simply has to use the correct figures, and then the Greenbelt is largely rescued.
1: Thank you, Chris. Um, we'll move on to our next question, uh, which is how do you propose to improve cycling and walking routes uh, to school and make them safer for children? Simon Grover.
2: Um, great question. Um, <laughs> D- district councils often say, oh, we'd love to help with that. but That's a county council problem. Um, and, and I'm sure county councillors do the same. But, um, you know, so, so transport policy is um essentially a, a county council function nevertheless there are things that uh that we could do and I think working working with our county colleagues in the sense that we say look we'd like to try this um you know if you look at the um the trials that are going on at the moment in terms of trying out uh, the different road closures in the centre of St Albans that's done as a partnership between district and county county are formally responsible but we're helping to inform it so I'd like to see something like you know let's trial can, can we um restrict traffic around around schools during um put down and and, uh, and pick up sorry when, when people are bringing their children to school and and, and taking them away again you know are there, are there things like that like that that we could do can we look at um in creating those cycling trains where you know you have a, a, bank, a gang of kids going going together um to, to to form a safer environment there's you know there's been a great loss in terms of the feelings of, of what's safe and what's not safe and we we really need to get back to the idea that that cycling is safe and pleasurable for everybody not just people who who are wearing lycra
3: Thank you, Simon. Ian Grant. I think we uh, as a council can uh, certainly link up with schools to encourage them in in some of the initiatives that, that they are taking, for example, walking buses, um, where you are, are essentially guiding a group of children uh, on a walk to school, so that you, you provide options where people don't have to get right up to school, they can, they can walk from a distance, so that will alleviate the issues of possible kind of car pedestrian conflict and also might make cycling around schools more preferable. Perhaps we need to also take take a look at some of the routes towards school uh, and look to kind of designate those as cycling routes because as Simon says, a, a cycle chain, a group of, of cyclists on a road, uh, Provides a greater degree of safety than one, one cyclist on their own. So um, I think it's possible to look at look at the the routing. Um, it's certainly possible to promote the health benefits of cycling um, and of walking. Uh, and I think it is a it, it is a case of education and of working with schools to, to promote the initiatives that, that many of them are already uh, working on. Thank yeah. you, Ian. Chris White.
4: Yeah, I used to cycle to school um, when I was a lad, um, and it was many many miles and. I was clocked once doing 40 miles an hour downhill by, by uh, somebody's parent they were very impressed. Uh, no helmet for any nonsense like that. Uh, and of course, why doesn't that happen nowadays? Why wouldn't parents allow that nowadays? Well, probably my parents shouldn't have been either but uh, uh, the, the serious problem of course is there is much more traffic uh, and it does seem to be a more arrogant form of traffic and therefore one of the things that um, I've been promoting with county council colleagues is uh, um, uh, 20s plenty schemes and we've had some success on that with the a uh, result that in fleetville the county council is seriously looking at a low traffic neighborhood and indeed seriously looking at the mistakes made by some of the london boroughs to make sure that this is a bottom-up approach i hope we will see uh, a bottom-up approach to making uh, roads uh, more safe for for cyclists but there's a general problem about the way the uh, city is constructed most of the junctions in the middle of uh, the city of st albans uh, and Harpenden is not much different um Uh, are are designed for white van man to whip around the corner as fast as possible, preferably scattering pedestrians as they're sprinting across. If you are not so fast on your feet, then the width of junctions, the design of junctions is a massive discouragement from walking, whether you be a child, whether you be an adult or whatever. Uh, So that's something we've got to do. And of course, we have to work with the County Council, who is making some encouraging noises on this. Thank you. Mary Maynard.
0: um, I think there is a lot to be said for the schools working together I'm working with Catherine Warrington School, a new school in my ward, a secondary school, and they have done amazing work on improving the uh, n- number of children who take sustainable transport to school. They take the bus, they walk, or they cycle, and they have done things like a three quarter of a mile exclusion zone for parents around the school, so they're not allowed to take their cars into it. Um, they have... Um, done a lot of work with the kids and the benefits of walking and cycling and and why they should do that and it's really paying off for them every they they've only been open about three years and you can see over that three years that they've kept their sustainability index very high so I think the schools can all learn from each other I think there's also um a a place here for You say it's because of traffic and people don't want their kids to walk or cycle because of traffic. I think it's a bit more than that. People feel that the streets aren't safe for their kids until they're relatively old. They don't want them going out. I think we have to do something about encouraging parents to believe that streets are safe for their kids to walk on and that they will not be abducted or in some way hurt on their way to and from school.
1: Thank you. Uh, Let's move on to our next question now, which is As a first-time voter, sustainability is at the top of my priority list, as it is for many people my age, but we have learnt not to trust politicians' greenwashing. How has your party shown itself to be trustworthy in the past in terms of climate policy, and how can we trust your party to make a real change if you come to power? And we'll start with Ian Grant for the Labour Party.
3: Well, I mentioned the um, 2019 uh, Car Free Day uh, motion brought to council. as I say, historically, Labour councils have backed 20s plenty uh, in areas of the district. Uh, more recently, in 2021, we brought a further motion to council about uh, car idling, asking the council to put signs into the covered areas of the car parks, inviting people to switch it off. This was uh, a very specific instance of, of a measure that could be taken. There are two signs if you go into the Drover's Way car park and walk around and look uh, for some time to identify them. Um, and uh, to be honest, I was quite disappointed to see that that was the sum total of the council's response to uh, what we were proposing. We were, that, that, that came through also at a time when uh, the, the, the district was opening up post-COVID, and we also suggested getting in touch with schools to promote some of the safer walking and cycling initiatives uh, to try and reduce uh, car movements and, and, and vehicle emissions. So um, I think we have a track record of coming forward with some very concrete measures that the council could take up. We're not very impressed with how the council is taking those forward at the moment. We would hope that uh, we can hold them further to account. Thank you. Chris White for the Liberal Democrats.
4: Yeah, trustworthy and and politics. Um, I'm going to do a a dangerous example, uh, and that is uh, from the coalition government, which has had certain issues about trust, which I'm fully aware of and too painfully so. uh, Namely, uh, things like the Green Investment Bank were brought in by uh, a strongly campaigning uh, cabinet minister who was a liberal democrat so we we did change the atmosphere and indeed um the conservatives uh, <laughs> dismissed all this this uh, david cameron dismissed it all as green crap well it was serious and uh, uh, much has been reversed by the current government but in in government we we have a good record on that locally uh, we promised action when we were campaigning in the 29 elections we then declared a climate emergency, and by September 2020, 100 initiatives had been started, um, and many of those have come to fruition. Many are still growing, uh, and uh, we did recognize that when we said climate emergency, we had actually to mean it. But I do agree with you about greenwash. i not very amused by uh, uh, motor racing specialists uh, who say I've gone vegan to save the planet. Might be better just not to do motor racing. For the Conservatives, Mary Maynard.
0: Thank you. Um, I've already said that the Conservatives when in power were the ones who did the work on insulating social houses. They were the ones who put in place the changes which reduced uh, council use of energy by 40%. They were the ones who put in place the uh, the whole agenda for um, improving recycling in the district. So we have a track record of this. Um, I would also say that personally, if I was elected and became the leader, I have been working on these things for 50 years now. Um, It's it's close to my heart. I wouldn't walk away from it. I, I um, I, I, I think there's still a lot that could be done in terms of sustainability and getting people to change their views and opinions and beliefs. And I think there's a lot that can be done in terms of biodiversity and really making changes. I give you Harpenden, where the Town Council, and a lot of this was through prodding from me, ha- is planting 1500 trees on the common, has established, about 1500 trees in North Hampstead, has established uh, huge plantations of different bio uh, systems on the common. And Drilled out three boreholes so we brought the stream back to life. So that's a- policy in action.
1: Thank you. Uh, for the Green Party, Simon Grover.
2: Uh, I think everyone else has covered it. I've got nothing more to add. No, no, maybe just a, a couple of things. Um, yeah, you know, I'm in the great fortunate position of, of uh, belonging to a party that's never been in national government. So, you know, you can't trust us, obviously. But hopefully, you can look at, at what I've been doing um, over the 11 years. Since I've been a councillor um, on St. Albans District Council. Um, and you know, even as a, as a lone green, I've been able to influence policy and actually and bring in some, some budget measures and so on um, that have that have helped with sustainability and the environmental agenda. And of course, sustainability and, and climate change are the reasons that I got into politics in the first place. So I hope that I hope that's kind of obvious. But you know, I've I've always voted to protect the, the green belt. Um I've helped to bring in insulation and, and solar panels, as I mentioned before, on council buildings. Um I have i led a campaign when the recycling center was under threat um i brought in more uh, cycle parking uh, places in the in the town center um persuaded the council to switch its pr- pr- uh, planting program from um annuals to perennials and, and so on so on helped the new electric taxi scheme to get to get off the ground um so those those are the things i've been doing um i'm the only green council at the moment. We, hoping and believing that we're going to change that on May the 5th and with your help we will Uh, and the more Greens that are at the local council the more of these kinds of measures that we can bring in. Thank you.